This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 41 of Small Talk. I'm your host, as always, Michelle Smallman. We're going to have an epic breakdown of the epic Battle of Winterfell with our Game of Thrones correspondent, Tommy Reese, later in the show. He's actually going to join us in studio, which is very exciting. But before then, we have some weekend updates with the regular post-show pod squad, so let's bring him in. We've got Steve Cerruti, executive producer of The Will Kane Show in Bristol, and Tommy Freeze pops here in studio with me in St. Louis, fresh off a bachelor trip from mm. Montreal with an Expos hat on. What's up, Freeze Pops? Hey. It's <laughs> Do you think it's funny that I'm wearing an Expos hat? And no, I love the Expos. Great logo. I'm all in on the Expos. 20 bucks. Glad. I thought it was a great move, you know? I used to be, I kind of used to root for the Expos a little bit, to be honest with you, but then they moved to the Nationals, and I'm a, everybody knows I'm a huge Nationals fan huge. now. So what's huge. Up? Huge. So I thought you were a Giants fan. Uh, it depends on the year, you know. Mm. I float around a little bit, but, you know, Expos, Nats, Giants, who knows? NL. Cardinals? Big NL guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, not a big Cardinals guy, sorry. But you are a big Blues guy, right? Huge Blues, LGB. Let's go. <laughs> Huge. Can't, couldn't win tell you where the three. series is at, but you know, I'm always, I'm always down for the Blues. Huge game three win last night. Blues up two to one in the series. Do you go to every game? When they're at home, yeah. That's awesome. Except they sit in the press box, and I'm not allowed to cheer, which is very difficult for your girl <laughs> because I'm emotionally invested. I love St. Louis. The Blues, in their tortured history, have never won a Stanley Cup ever, and there's 10 wins left on the board. The team is getting so close. I'm honestly going to be really unprofessional as this Listen, continues. Blues, great sweater. It's all say. They really do oh have a nice God, sweater. Oh, my God. One of the best logos in sports. Honestly, Steve, when the Blues make it to the Stanley Cup finals, you need to come to St. Louis and go to a game. All right. I'm in. Oh, okay. I thought it would be a little bit harder. Sorry, <laughs> you know just coming I, up, I, man. I, don't, I mean, I don't have much faith that they're going to make it there, although Whoa. I don't have a ton of hockey, all due respect, but I'm rooting for them. I you <laughs> Where are we at? Where are we at? Semifinal? <laughs> are we at the, what are we at? Second round. Second round. Okay. So all right, so there's some time to go. We got, two more rounds. We got some time. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of sports, I so Tom is fresh off a bachelor party in Montreal. I am fresh off a weekend in Nashville. I ran a race there. My girlfriends came down with me. We did a little partying in Nashville. Great, great city. Nice. However, the NFL draft was going on while we were there. Broadway, absolute disaster in the best way. People were so nuts. And not to mention one million bachelorette parties simultaneously descending on Nashville at the same time. So it was really an interesting hodgepodge of groups. However, my friends, not huge sports fans, as we're driving down to Nashville, are asking me all of these questions about the draft. And they just could not understand the concept of why someone would want to go to this event, why you would want to go somewhere and stand there and pay all this money to hear someone read a name. And I honestly didn't have a rebuttal for them. I just said, yeah, I guess they're really big fans of their team. It's an excuse for a weekend away. But I don't know. Would you guys ever go to a draft? In a previous life, I would, yes. Because, previous life? Yes. So as, You're as so a, much more mature now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, okay. Adult so, free spots. So I'll explain it. So as a preteen, I loved <laughs> the NFL draft. Like, I was obsessed with the draft. Me and my best friend at the time, Scott Leach. Shout out Scott Leach. Uh, doing some good stuff with the Merrimack uh, Athletic Department right now. Um, he would Love come over every single year when it was still on Saturday at noon or whenever it started. And we would do our own big board in my living room with a Sharpie. And we'd write in the name of the player and the college and the position because we were just so obsessed with college football that it was just, I don't know what it was for. It was like porn watching this together. And mm, we, would, we would order food and it would just be like me, him, and my brother. Yeah, 
and we'd go outside. We'd play. We'd play catch. Uh, you know, I don't know. It was just a good time. It was a, like a celebration of football. We were obsessed with football. We were obsessed with college football. We loved the NFL. We would always, you know, groan when the Patriots would trade out of the first round. Um, I don't know. I'm getting like really nostalgic thinking about it. And actually, a few weeks ago, he texted me a picture of one of our old draft boards from the very first one that we did, uh, which was the Reggie Bush Mario Williams draft. Man. Wow. So, yeah, in a previous life, I would have gone, but as I've gotten older, I've realized, you know, the draft is kind of boring and. I don't enjoy it that much. I love the draft. I mean, we're sitting here in St. Louis, Missouri. I covered a team that went 15 and 65. When you suck that badly, the draft is your Super Bowl. <laughs> you start talking about the draft week two. You cannot wait to get another <laughs> offensive lineman. Okay? That right. is what you do. But I would imagine people only have of the pie chart of your funds that you're going to use on sports and entertainment so much money. It was not cheap to go to Nashville. Hotel rooms are really mm. expensive. You have to buy tickets, all this stuff. I just think if you have disposable sports income that you're going to use on something, why go to the draft? Mm. Go to a See, game. I'll, I'll make this argument. I think the for the average NFL fan, the draft is the best NFL event of the year. And <laughs> I think it's better than the Super Bowl. I really do. I think Because of the hope I think, factor? I think it's the hope factor. I think everybody loves a, a, a good mock draft. Everybody loves a good big board. Everybody loves grading drafts after the, the day after. And them you know, traveling around, going to Nashville. Where were they the year before? Uh, Philadelphia, yeah, right? Philly, they they yeah. had a few different cities. I think, I mean, I, with all due respect to Philly, I don't know if that's a place I necessarily want to like go on a trip. But Nashville <laughs> is a place that, I mean, hell yeah. Like I get to go to Nashville. I get to hang out there. And I get to like check out the NFL draft. I think the NFL draft is way better on TV probably than it is in person. Right. But if you're in Nashville and you get to like, yeah, hang out on that street and just get hammered and like, you know, wear a football jersey and just start, you know, high fiving dudes, that's awesome. You know what? You've talked me into it. <laughs> in this right? current life, I now want to go to the NFL draft again. Yeah. I don't know. Even in New York, I don't know if it would be as cool, but in, in specific cities, Nashville being one of them, like, yeah, that'd be awesome. But then why don't you just go to Nashville another time? Well, well I'm going to probably say. do that, too. Yeah, listen, <laughs> that, that's the only problem is, like, if you want to make a Nashville trip, like, the, all those girls that were on their bachelor, that you know, the bachelorette parties, like, they had no idea that it was the NFL draft weekend. Like, that's a bummer for you, but you should probably, you know, like, you know, wonder why, like, the flight and the hotel rooms are so much more expensive than they would normally be. Um, that's a whole different story for a different day. But yeah, like if I just wanted to hit up Nashville, I wouldn't go there on the day the NFL draft was taking place. But if you're an NFL fan, you want to go to Nashville, you kill two birds with one stone. Boom. Mm, I'm still not sold. <laughs> to me, if you're that pumped about the draft, throw a watch party at your house, save up all your money, and then go to a game with your much improved team. Mm. Post draft. Yeah, I can but see I, it being I boring. It, I, yeah. But as I said, that yeah, I think especially because it didn't look like there were many seats. But then again, like all these people are lined up on the street. And I, what did you say? What was, was it Broadway? Is you, is yeah. It the street you said? Cause I've it's never like been. that main so, drag with all the honky tonks yeah, on Yeah, so it. if I'm at a bar, I'm just, you know, I'm having a couple drinks. I hear a pick. I hear Goodell get booed. Like, that could be kind of fun. I don't know. Honky tonks. Honky tonks. <laughs> all those honky tonks. Also, we, my girlfriends and I went down that Broadway area to go to, I think it was, you know, all these. Uncommon James? I did okay. Whoa! Let's go Wait there. Wait a now. second. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I don't remember which bar it was that we went to. They're all kind of different iterations of one another. Did you meet Regan? Well, hold on. Tell me. Hold on. Pump the brakes. But I just wanted to set the scene for you guys on Broadway. Imagine I don't know sixty different bachelorette parties, all in matching T-shirts. A bunch of brides with the veils on it, throwing up <laughs> on the streets, and then drunk dudes in jerseys of their favorite teams who have been drinking all day, just in a sea of people. That's what it was. Okay. Honestly, that's like the perfect meshing of people. Though I feel like is like yeah, girls on bachelorette parties and like. 
drunk dudes who are also who are like sports fans. Like if anyone's single, like isn't that sort of just like a match made in heaven? For sure. And obviously, all the dudes in the jerseys have been drinking all day. They're more apt to buy shots everyone's for the girls. Loose, for yep. sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So it was it was a really interesting scene that I stumbled upon. We only stayed there for a drink, and then we made our way to other aspects <laughs> of town because I was getting high anxiety. But. After I ran my race, I had two things on my agenda. Actually, three things on my agenda. Okay. Number one, I wanted a biscuit. Got it. Went to Biscuit Love. Unbelievable. Highly, highly recommend if you're ever in the Nashville area. What did you put on the biscuit? I got hot chicken and pickles and a grainy mustard sauce and a little bit of hot sauce on a fluffy biscuit. Oh, my God. I thought you were just going to be like jam. Like, no. no, you just said like eight things that was really cut me deep. One of the best bites I've had in a long time. Oh, my God. I love hot chicken sandwiches. Oh, my God. Oh my on this best. biscuit, too. It's oh, crazy. Biscuit, good. highly underrated sandwich bread. Highly underrated. I don't think many people dislike biscuit. It's underrated. As, as a sandwich bread. Don't People don't dislike it. They underrate it. Okay. I'll give you that. Number two on my agenda was to see Danny Cannell and his lovely wife, Court, which I did. <laughs> and we're going to circle back to that in a second. Okay. Number three, on our way out of town, we had to pop into Uncommon James. I have to tell you, I have never been more disappointed with a shopping oh, experience no. than I was with Uncommon James. First Is of Brittany going to get fired because of this? Perhaps. Maybe she I'm will. behind on the episode because so, I just so saw I. Shannon. Spoiler alert. Just saw Shannon get let go. Oh, well, okay. I should have oh, I should have preempted this. I was waiting till the end of season two to binge all of them. And wow. Okay. Sorry. I mean, if you follow her on Instagram, you know that she's obviously not on the show anymore. Though. Wow. Yeah. And if you watch the show at all, you know she's a terrible employee. I know, but I just thought they'd keep her around. Oh man. Okay. Whatever. I'm still gonna watch it. But okay. Yes. Yeah, sorry for that. <laughs> I thought perhaps there'd be some cameras or something just because it was such a big weekend. Maybe that they would have some sort of special content. Content. Right. No cameras, no nothing. It's in a great area of town, the Gulch. It's right by the Biscuit Place and the Thompson Hotel where I had drinks with DK and Court. And it just, you walk in and it's just kind of a big open space and there's little tables with jewelry on it and the jewelry looked so cheap. It was like 50 oh bucks for a pair of earrings and it looked like okay, something Michelle, I could get I need in to stop you here the bin at Target. You're, you may be ruining all of our chances to have any sort of affiliation in the future with Kristen Cavallari or Jay Cutler, and I bet I will not stand for that. Okay. Yeah. I understand your your stance here, Steve. I'm still a huge fan of Kristen. I'm still a huge fan of Jay. I think Jay is one of the greater redemption stories we've ever seen in sports. However, I am disappointed with the quality of the jewels <laughs> and also the design, if we're being honest. You just threw a lot at me, and I'm, I, I don't know what to say because, you know, I'm obviously a big Jay Cutler fan. I'm a big Kristen Cavallari fan, dating back to you know Laguna Beach, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is uh, this is tough stuff for me to hear. To be honest with you, I have to experience it in person. I know they've been having some issues at the store. Brittany's a little bit overwhelmed, but <laughs> she's probably overwhelmed because she's looking at the product, saying, "How are we really going to sling this with <laughs> well, these do. with this price point?" So you didn't and dig the the minimalist uh, decor. The vibe of the store is very good. It's open. It's breezy. The, gr- the girls greet you. It's really nice. They have a little kid section. They have a great couch with a sign. So it's the very, wings thing, obviously. Yep, it's right. very Instagrammable, all of it, which is a very smart business tactic Shout by them. Shout out, Shannon. A lot of white, a lot of shiplap. Yep, right? a lot of shiplap. <laughs> yep. A lot yep. of metallic <laughs> tones, ac- metallic accents, I would say. However, I'm a girl who walked in there ready to spend some coin. 
You know, I thought I'd walk out with perhaps the J bracelet, maybe some earrings. If people say, hey, I like those, I could say, Uncommon James, got him in Nashville. What's up? What's up? I was so disappointed by all of the merchandise. I didn't even buy anything. That is shocking, actually. I know. Like, not even just for the story of it. I know. I, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut here. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to, you know. I have high hopes for, for my relationship with the two of them in the future, so I'm going to... I'm going to keep them on my good side. Saruti abstains. <laughs> well, you know yeah, what? I can't, when we I can't get, be slandering those two. When we get them on this podcast, I will let you do the interview then because you have always been on the bandwagon. <laughs> uh, did they sell t-shirts at least? They did, and they also were pretty dumpy. Wow. Yeah. I, I think I might still buy a t-shirt, even if it is dumpy, just to really? show my support for, like for Jay. Really? For like 40 bucks? Oh, 40 bucks? Like an, well, I don't know what it cost, but I'm just saying. <laughs> was, it was it like an Urban Outfitters dumpy thing, though, where it's like supposed to be dumpy, or was it like... No, just dumpy. no. I think that they thought the aesthetic was undumpy, and they were wrong. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, my friends were also disappointed. It's a lot to handle. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know wow. I'm really, I'm speechless. Imagine being me and being in that moment. Yeah. I had just run a race. I had just eaten a biscuit. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm locked in. and uh, Ready to wa- buy some jewels. Ready yeah. to buy some jewels. Right. Walked out, nothing. Right in your eye. Empty-handed. Right in my eye. Yeah, just right in your eye. Just... Crappy. Did, did you recognize <laughs> any of the people working there? Like, I assume Reagan was not there. Reagan was not there. Wasn't there. Obviously, was not there. Obviously, Brittany was not there. Her eyebrows also not there. <laughs> but was her uh, shitty boyfriend John there? He could have been. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but he is the worst. Oh I have no God, problem saying that guy sucks. He's, he's yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know if it's this the show like doing him a disservice. Or if he's actually that way, but man, he is a tough guy <laughs> <Yeah>. to like. <laughs> he seems like the worst hang of all time. I know. And imagine not only dating him, but then re-watching it on TV, <laughs> seeing that he's the worst right and continuing face. to date him. Yeah. Oh, my God. The worst. Yeah. I don't know. I really want him to brush his hair, but that's a whole nother scenario. Okay. So moving on. I did get to see Danny Cannell which was very exciting. I hadn't seen DK, and I mean, honestly, we were trying to do the math. I think years, which feels weird because yeah. it doesn't feel like that much time has passed since we've all physically been together, but it has. It's been a really long time. So it was great to see Danny. He was sporting some facial hair. Yeah, how's that? <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, it's very- His hair situation in general seems different. Go on, elaborate. I don't know what you mean by that. I don't know. I just don't know if there's like a PED situation going on there or oh. what's happening, but his hair looks good. I'm, looks dark. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot more there. Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> he had a hat on, so I didn't really look at his hair that much. But Classic DK. Classic DK. He was so fun. It was so great to see him. He's doing great. But we did previously talk about us running the mile. Of course, Danny Cannell oh, wanted to yes. weigh in on that. Mm. So I have some updates or his predictions, I guess. Who do you guys think DK thought out of the three of us would win the mile? I mean, me. Oh, I would say me. You are last, Tom. <laughs> what are we doing Tom right now? Tom is, in fact, not last. Yes. Whoa! That's what we call a tease in the biz. All right. So first of all, when I asked him about this, he said, I would smoke all of you guys. I'd lap you. Okay. I go, I didn't ask okay. about you. So classic DK. Classic. Oh, God. Classic Danny. I all love right. that, man. So then he says, I think it would be close, but I'd say in order would be first. No, we'll go. we'll go last. Freeze pops with an estimated time of 9.32, which I thought was generous. Yeah. No, that's probably a fair time. If you finish a mile in under 10 minutes, I'll be floored. Okay, cool. Uh, I told you that I occasionally will go on the treadmill at my place and, and your do pace some is light what? jogging. 
A three. Yeah, it's very, it's very slow. Okay, so it's not me being mean. It's me doing the math. Yeah, cut me down a little bit here, but okay, yeah, 9.30. I like it. It's thank, math. It's thank, math. Thank you, DK. Next, coming in second, me. He thinks mm. at 8.38. He says Saruti wins with an estimated time of 8.25, so he thinks it'd be very close between us. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I know I threw some numbers out, I think, last week that may have been a little bit exaggerated, but <laughs> I think I could run under eight. I, I really do. I really do. We need to figure out a way to do this to time us. Also, he did check in saying that he thinks he would come in first with an estimated time of 7.19. I, I, don't, even, I don't even care what Danny thinks his time would be. He, <laughs> he, uh, moving on. Then, I, think the, I think the order though. is fair. But then I said, do you think Freeze Pops would beat Rosillo? And DK says, wow. Freeze Pops beats Ryan. This ain't a lift competition, bro. <laughs> What's up in your face, Ryan? So What? <laughs> so Tommy, Freeze Pops did not come in last place. Rosillo did, according to DK's metrics. Love it. That's insane, but okay. <laughs> that sounds like Danny. If and Ryan, now I know you definitely talked to Danny. If Ryan <laughs> wants to race me, I will fly to LA and race him. I will fly Challenge. there to film it. Yeah, it, I will I take will you down, there. Ryan. <laughs> Somehow. We will figure it out. Yep. I will race you on the beach. Priscilla, not known for cardio, but I'm, I think we're underestimating him a little bit here. At least you guys and Danny. I am not. <laughs> and I also think the competition factor is going to play into this. Mm-hmm. It just depends on who wants it more, I think. I don't know who. I mean, I don't, don't know you who think would Ryan would just, it more. even if it was close, he would just dig deep and get everything out of himself so he would not lose to Freeze Pops? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan has like legit mental strength. Yeah. So I, I, he's one of those guys I feel like that can just like put pain aside for like 100%. the time being and get things done. So like he may be like really injured afterwards, but he'll beat you. So I'm mentally weak and I can't do a mile under 10 minutes. It's just, <laughs> you guys are just. Ripping me to shreds right I here. I mean, listen, the truth hurts, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just a weak mental midget over here. I don't think you're weak, but I do think <laughs> if your average running pace is a three on the treadmill, yeah. the math works out to you not being able to run a mile in 10 minutes. It varies mm-hmm. between treadmill to treadmill. From what, three to three, five? <laughs> you still cannot. I'm slipping if, a four. At that pace, you still cannot finish in 10 minutes. It's not being mean, yeah. it's being accurate. Okay. Okay, I have one final Nashville thought. And before we get into it, we need to bring in our Game of Thrones insider, Tommy Reese. He's in studio with us this week, which is very What's exciting. Up, Tommy. Yeah, it's exciting to be here. Really excited. <laughs> He's thrilled. <laughs> He's absolutely thrilled. Um, so we talked about this a little bit off air, so that's why we wanted Tommy's input on this. But we mentioned bachelorette parties in Nashville, and I knew that there was going to be a lot there. It's the bachelorette capital of America or whatever. But what I didn't anticipate was how many pedal bars or pedal taverns or party bikes, whatever you want to call it, would be there. I mean, we're talking a pedal bar on every street, every block, and they're blaring music, and it's all girls in matching T-shirts, whooping it up, wasted. So then I started thinking, again, kind of like the NFL draft, why would you pay money to pedal a bike while you're drinking. That doesn't sound fun to me. It doesn't sound leisurely to me. It sounds like the probability of you spilling on yourself is pretty high. Mm. You know, it sounds like the probability of you maybe dropping your drink also pretty high. Mm. I don't know. Would you guys do that? Tommy, you've done it, you said. Yeah, so I did it in Nashville probably two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago. And there isn't a whole lot of pedaling. Like you don't, 
actually pedal that much, I don't think. So then how do you get down the street? I think the guy that's driving it kind of pedals. And there might be a motor on it. I can't remember exactly, oh, but so I remember not, here. I don't remember thinking like, oh gosh, this is really strenuous. Um, I just remember the woman next to me <laughs> was drinking a a water bottle full of tequila, like yes. nothing else, no mixer, nothing to, no line, nothing to go with yes. it. She was just sipping on tequila and she's like, hey, you want some? I'm like, that bottle looks like it's like lukewarm. Like Ooh. lukewarm tequila sounds terrible. Um, I think I went with five guys, which is kind of, it was kind of a joke for us to do the pedal tavern. Like sure. it was more of a, of a, of a joke just to kind of get, I think it was the last day we were there and like we needed something to get us going that morning. Yeah, so we decided to do it. And, uh, I mean, we had fun. It's kind of like doing a trolley or something like that, but I mean, I'd rather probably just go to a bar and, and start the day that way, but it was fun. And, and I remember like the crowd that we were with made it more enjoyable than maybe if you weren't with people that that were really really trying to get rowdy on the on the tavern. So you're telling me the woman with the water bottle full of tequila wasn't trying to get rowdy? <laughs> How old was she? Uh, like 52. Oh my maybe. god! Oh. Yes. She was sitting right next to me, Experience. and she was she was feeling herself a little bit. It was it was really fun just to be around her. And I remember yeah. being looking at my buddies and being like, "This woman's dead serious. <laughs> like she's actually doing this right now at 9 a.m. on a on a Saturday." Respect. Ooh. That's what I like to envision what Riverboat Tammy looks like. By the way. For our regular listeners. Mm. Oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. That's Riverboat Tammy in my head. Who also loves you, yeah. <laughs> so, Michelle, I'm actually surprised that you don't like these things. This seems like right up your alley. What? Like a fun thing to do with the girls, drinking's involved, you're you're talking with people, it's social, you're I getting agree. a great scenery around Somebody, the city, you, you're maybe getting a little bit of faux exercise in there, which is like, you know, not, I'm not saying that you, you fake exercise, but you know, it's it's just, an, <laughs> it's another thing to be like, look, and you know, and you're moving around a little bit, get fresh air on the body, so it's outdoors. I don't know. This seems right up your alley to me. I, but I guess I, I just I guess I don't know you that well. I guess not, Tom. <laughs> I guess Tommy revealed the secret that you're not pedaling that much. But to me, it's kind of like a paddle boat on a lake. What the hell's the point of that? You know, you're pedaling. You're not moving fast. It's just it seems more annoying than anything. Also, if I'm going to drink, I want to relax. I want to lounge. I want to be able to get up and go to the bathroom if I want. I want to be able to change up my drink order if I want. I don't want to have to be confined to this tavern and be pedaling along the way. <laughs> I'm just surprised. What do you think, Sir I I truly, I mean, it de- I, I feel I, like Steve would not be a huge like. pedal guy. Oh, I would hate it. I would absolutely <laughs> hate it. So I'm actually going to what? I'm going to Chicago when? July sometime. Fourth of July, you're going to be there, right? We're, yeah, we're doing some sort of like river pedal b- boat thing that you drink on, and I wonder if it's river somewhat similar. Boat. Yeah, are they fu- I'm definitely not into work. I'm not trying to work while I. Yeah, while that's what I'm saying. I haven't done one in Chicago, but I know what they are. It's like a tiki boat with like pedals. I'm going to say probably there's some sort of motor on it. Like I don't think you're going to be doing that much work. And every Good. time I've like been down at the river and seen these go by, they always look like a ton of fun. I mean, <laughs> okay. there, there's music blaring. There's people like going nuts. Kind of depends on what crowd you're with. Like I said, but. Those do seem cool, and if you've never been to Chicago, which I'm assuming you have been, it's actually not, cool actually. to be on the river and like see the architecture and see some of the buildings. Yep. So I think you'll really enjoy that. The lake Let's go. and architecture situation in Chicago is ideal. Honestly, there's few things in life that are more fun than a summertime shy boat day, yeah. so I think you will have a great time doing that, Steve. Yeah, count so me I, in. I, I, 
I'm, yeah, Tommy I'm will be there. for that. Okay, good. good. Uh, I, I just Googled a picture of the pedal bar deal in Nashville, and it does not – I take that back. It does not look like something Michelle would want to do. I thought it would be more like – I don't know. It looks more like touristy kind of deal. Yeah. There's like a there's a barrel in the front of it. I'm not really sure that's Michelle's scene, so I take that back. <laughs> Love a good barrel. Yeah, I think that you would like to do it, Tom, not okay, me. Okay, so I, I it's definitely a Tom written all. No, okay, yeah, so course. here's the thing. I I would in theory like to do it, but I don't trust myself to be able to stay on it if that makes sense. Like I feel like I'd get drunk and fall what? off. So I don't I wouldn't want to do it. Like if my friends were all like, "Yeah, do it, do it." And I'd probably go on and have a good time. But I'm a little bit nervous with stuff like that, like on the boat or on the bike. Eh, I feel like I would not fare well. One time, Steve, I took Tom out with my high school friends, and one of my friends uh, was a bit overserved and sneezed so hard he <laughs> fell off a bar stool. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And so now that you're saying this, I kind of imagine that type of yeah. scenario. You know, mm-hmm. you sneeze, you fall off, right. you go to reach for something, you fall off. It could be dangerous. Yeah, like I feel like there's probably way more injuries that happen associated with these things, but we don't know that because people that go on this stuff, all they do is Instagram themselves having a good time like wee, but you never actually hear the story about the drunk bachelorette who had a few too many chardonnays and maybe took a tumble down on Broadway down by the honky tonks. Why did you just make it sound like they're going down a slide? <laughs> Yeah, I regretted that mid-wee. Um, <laughs> I thought you might. Maybe I, we could strike that from the pod later, right? Yeah, no, we're going to keep we, it. Okay. Yeah, we're going to keep that in. Okay. okay, well, we've already introduced Tommy Reese into the conversation, but <laughs> he is here for one specific reason, and that's to be our Game of Thrones correspondent. And the much-anticipated Battle of Winterfell went down on Sunday night. So before we dive into it, let's do the official introduction. He comes to us from the house of South Bend, Indiana. A warrior on the gridiron, converting over 60 touchdowns in over four years of battle. A two-time bowl champion in his own right. Let us talk Game of Thrones with Notre Dame quarterback coach Sir Tommy Reese. Before we get into various awards that we're going to give to characters throughout this battle, I first just wanted to gauge the likability factor of the episode from you two. Did you guys enjoy the Battle of Winterfell? Because it felt like watching it online, like this was the Super Bowl or a big time sporting event because so many people were checking in and giving their opinions and reacting in real time. But I guess I was surprised by the conflict of opinions about this battle. Yeah, I didn't get to watch it live, unfortunately, so... I had a little bit of a spoiler alert. Shout out Dan Fox, one of my former teammates and friends, texting me um, about Aria. But I watched it on an airplane and in an airport on my iPad. And, like, the first 20 minutes I had to turn it off because, like, my anxiety was getting too high. Like, I thought the beginning, the setup, like, the first six minutes no words were spoken and they were building up the battle and the tension. I was like, this is incredible. And then I had to board my flight and then I got (laughs) back into it mid-flight and like I kept pausing it because I was trying to take things in and I was rewinding it and trying to rewatch some scenes just to really get a grasp for it. I thought it was really well done. The one complaint I had is I felt like it was a little hard to see at times. And a lot of my friends that I talked to about the episode afterwards had the same things. Like the visual effects of it 
Like, it made it a little difficult to know exactly what was going on. But I thought the content of the episode, and if you watched the the ending of it where they kind of talked about the episode and how they bounced around because they talked about how battle scenes can get boring and they wanted to keep the, the viewers intrigued by it, I thought it was really well done. Um, obviously, Arya's been my girl since day one, so Saruti, shout out to you for her being the hero. <laughs> um, but exactly. I, I really enjoyed the episode. I don't know what people wanted, I guess – you know, people thought there there should have been more deaths or, or more storyline with the, with the White Walkers, but we'll get into this a little bit. But to me, and I know Saruti tweeted something about this, you know, yesterday or the day before. You know, the show's always been about to me the Lannisters versus the Starks, and then how Danny fits into it. So I'm more excited about that storyline unfolding over the last couple episodes more so than the White Walkers. Like the White Walkers, to me, were more. The last couple seasons had really taken more of a prominent role, whereas the battle for the Iron Throne has always been what's intrigued me. So I'm excited to get that part of the episode, that part of the show going. Yeah, I I agree. I was surprised. I very much subscribed to the no phones during Thrones deal, so I watched it basically in real time, and I didn't pick up my phone until after I had even watched like the um, the two writers talking and the after the episode. So. I pick up my phone and I I saw I, I was so shocked to see that people didn't really like it or had issues seeing I it definitely was dark and I think that was the point and I think ultimately in battle you you really in in real life you never really know what side people are on especially in in a medieval style battle you never you there's no way to know what side people are on so I think they actually did a good job and they wanted to do that to show how just chaotic the entire thing was I was stressed for the entire hour and twenty minutes of the entire episode like. Tommy's 100% right. That first, the first six, 10 minutes or so was, I mean, you just felt like you were a part of what was going to, about to go on. And I was like nervous for everything that was about to happen. And I, yeah, I thought, I thought they really nailed just about everything in the episode. I, I know a lot of people didn't love, they, they were questioning how did Arya get out of the window and get to the Night King? Like, I just, I don't know why we get, wor- why we worry about things like that. It's a fantasy show. Yeah, why aren't okay? we worried about a dead you know, king making an army then? <laughs> we're yeah, and like, about I, you logistics. Know, exactly. And I had, and earlier that day I, I saw Endgame, and I won't, I won't say any spoilers or anything, but like, there were plot holes after plot holes in that movie, and it was still good. And I just wonder why, like, we overlook them in some things and didn't overlook it necessarily in, in, in the Game of Thrones Battle of Winterfell. And, my my impressions were that I, it was just an unbelievable thing to watch, and I don't think I've ever been that stressed watching something that was um, like a TV show or a movie in my entire life. And a lot of people compared it to the Helm's Deep Battle, and I don't want to get too nerdy on everybody here in Lord of the Rings. I did think I didn't think that Helm's Deep Battle was better, but I I mean the stress level and the payoff I think were for Battle of for Battle of Winterfell were absolutely great. So I agree. I took some notes <laughs> during the episode because <laughs> that's what I do. So we we talked about the anxious feeling in the beginning. I think the drums, just the beat, Uh, remember that they had that, really kind of played into your heartbeat and the feeling that you had. So I wrote this down. It was 17 minutes into the episode before we even saw the Army of the Dead. Wow. And I thought one of the best parts of the whole battle was when you saw the the Dorthraki go out first, and it was that big aerial view, and all you saw was the lights slowly being extinguished. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was like one of the coolest scenes of the whole thing. It's like, okay, well, now they're really in, really in trouble. Now they're really in trouble, and you still haven't seen the enemy yet. So you and d- that's after you were after you were so pumped about Melisandre lighting all their all their swords on. Yep, fire. and and. I just remember. So you're pumped up, and then it's immediately just anguish, literally and figuratively. Right. I just remember thinking, 
is this show going to take a hard left and it's all going to be White Walkers and the battle for the throne is going to be who's sitting on an ice throne? Like, what is going to go on? I thought it was great. I do agree with Tommy. It was hard to see at times, which was a little frustrating. But again, to your point, Saruti, it was a nighttime battle and there was snow everywhere. So I think that that was important for continuity's sake. All in all, I think they really kind of pieced it all together in a way that we wanted them to while leaving enough people and enough storylines still on the table for us to be interested in the final three episodes. I'll say this about the Dothraki raid, too, is that when, you know, that is one of the most devastating things in the entire show is when you have thousands of Dothraki coming at you on their horses. Mm -hmm. So all these people that are necessarily criticizing the battle techniques of saying, why would you do that? Why would you put them out first? Blah, 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 blah. That is what you 100% should have done because they are absolutely devastating in open field combat. So I just want to get that out there. <laughs> it obviously didn't work, but... Thank you for that breakdown, Steve. No problem. All no right, problem. so let's... trying to keep it medieval. <laughs> <laughs> and that you did. All right, so let's run through some awards. Like any good game or any good battle, there's awards given out at the end. So first up, MVP award. I think we're all going to give it to the same person, and it has to be our girl, Arya Stark. Since Tommy's been on the Arya bandwagon, he's been her champion since day one, I'll let you take it first. Yeah, I mean, no surprise here, right, Steve? I, <laughs> I just think, you know, and the, the writers talked about it afterwards. They didn't want to go with somebody that was super obvious. One of my favorite scenes or sequences of the entire episode was when she was in, you know, it looks like a library, so I'm going to call it the library. I don't know mm-hmm. what they call it back then. But and she's hiding and she's ducking. You know, she's finding a way to survive. And then, you know, the hound comes and helps protect her. And then they're in that room, and it's her, Melisandre, and the hound. And Melisandre says, you know, what do we say to death? And she goes, you know, not today. And then she goes off. Like, I had the chills. Like, I paused it. I was on the plane. Oh, awesome. I was like, this is the greatest scene of the episode to me. Like, that stole it for me. And then she goes... And as soon as she left, and I had an ink, and I already knew that she killed the Night King, I was like, this is it. This is when she's going to do whatever she's going to do, and she's going to pop out and do her Arya thing where she's sneaking around. But the the move of her dropping the dagger from her left hand to her right was one of the smoothest things I've ever seen. Like, it was unbelievable. And, like, when he, she got grabbed, I was like, okay, well, how is this about to happen? And she drops the dagger in her other hand and, and stabs him. I just thought, you know, it was really well done, and, and, and I mean, what a – what a baller. I mean, she just stole the show. Even in the beginning when she's, like, fighting up top with the, like, extended pole with the double-sided blaze. I don't know what you call that. The Gendry gift. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. Yeah, Gendry's pole, I guess. Um, you know, she's fighting up there, and everyone's seen her fight for the first time, and it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, this girl is incredible. And, and I thought that was really cool to see her, you know, really do her thing and come out on top. I just hope she gets credit for it. Like, does everyone know she killed the Night King? Like, I want people to know that. She was one that did it, and I hope that gets answered over the next few episodes. Bran, I mean, Bran is certainly as as the guy who literally was there and is like the history guy for all of Westeros. He'll, I mean, I assume that'll be you know she'll get the proper credit for it. And I, so you know, I've and we we tweeted about this because I was sort of annoyed with Arya's story. I just felt like, and I wasn't annoyed with her story, I guess, as much as it was. I felt like she just thought she was like better than everybody else for a while, and I don't, I still believe that to be true, especially. When she when she when she and Sansa re- reunited in season seven, I just thought she was incredibly arrogant. But I'd always thought that she had a big part to play. And I think it's funny, like you watching that episode, 
you you I knew probably middle of that, and I, and I had I had sort of predicted because a bunch of my friends and I we have like a Deadpool thing where we pick all the people who you know we think are going to die and who are going to survive, and then the tiebreakers was all right who sits on the Iron Throne and who kills uh, the Night King, and I had always had Arya because I just think it made sense. I think they've been setting it up for a while for her to do it. And I'm I'm very happy that she didn't do it in the same way that she killed uh, Walder Frey either with the with, you know, with like a face mask type deal. I'm glad that she did it with you know as herself, because I think that just added added more to it. There's a lot of people I think complaining about like oh this was never Arya's fight like John should have killed the Night King. And I'm like no way like any that's that's I mean I just think Arya's been training for this for her entire life and just because she hasn't doesn't have like the intricate knowledge that John had of the Night King doesn't mean that she isn't deserving to kill him. So I think it was a perfect perfect kill. Um, and, and wait and wait for the Night King to go out. And you're you're totally right, Tommy. I think a lot of the a lot of the, the the breadcrumbs that they've dropped in the past that they all that all sort of culminated with her, you know, stabbing him in the original spot that he was stabbed with the dragon glass by the children of the forest. Honestly, was just a beautiful way to sort of end that part of the show. Can I add something to that about the like Arya storyline? Because Bran says it to Theon or Reek, however you want to refer to him as. Um, about you know everything you've done has got you to this point, and mm-hmm. I think that is a large part of what Arya's storyline, like everything she's gone through, everything that she's learned and had to deal with over the last, you know, however many seasons or years, you know, has gotten her to that point to give her the opportunity to kill the Night King. So a lot of the show is about the past, bringing them into the present, and why are they there? What it, you know, they've all had to go through horrific things to get to the point where they're at, and like to me, that's her. That was her calling. That was what's going to satisfy all the things that she's had to gone through and learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, I know a lot of people were disappointed in Bran, but shout out to him for giving her the dagger. He knew. Yep. You know, my whole thing yep. was, if he can see how this has to go down, why isn't he doing something? But he did. He gave her the dagger. He knew it had to be her to do it with that dagger with Valerian steel. I still can't stand Bran. I mean, yeah, can he do more? Like, do more. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on. We'll Six, get to that. Sixth yep. person of the year award, obviously not the MVP, but kind of a fringe player that really makes an impact. I'm going to go with Melisandra. She shows up exactly when she needs to. She lights the Dorthraki's swords on fire. That wasn't really effective, but she still did it. Then also she lit the trench, which mm-hmm. blocked a lot of the Army of the Dead to come in. And she pulled the Jason Hayward pep talk. She gave Arya the speech that got her to go out there and perform and get it done. I'm going Red Woman. Then she takes off the jewel and says, hey, I'm actually like 5,000 years old and my time is over. She peaced out. Done. My job is done. And she and she dies. So I just thought, all in all, she sneaky had a lot of contributions here. I, I sneaky want to bring up Barrick real quick, too, because he sort of played a part in that. And obviously she brought him back. Obviously Thoros brought, her ba- brought her, uh, him back as well, who was died what a couple seasons ago mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and and Barrick sort of fulfilling his prophecy of like why have i brought been brought back what is it six seven times and it's essentially to save aria from all of the whites that are basically in that quote-unquote library um i thought that was a really great send-off for him and it was a great payoff because you're always wondering what what why does why is Barrick still alive well that's why he's still alive yeah i'm gonna go with uh a jorah and I'm going to have a little bit of honorable mention afterwards, but I mean, just his ability to stand by Danny, support her throughout the entire show um, has been a huge plot line. Um, and then his ability to fight off the White Walkers and keep her alive and save her life, you know, as a secondary character, you know, just his battle and his, his willingness to stay true to her and, and to fight off and risk his life for her to survive, you know, I thought was obviously really heroic. Just a side note, I think Sam needs to deserve some credit. I mean, he has never been a guy who could oh be in God. battle and fight. 
and I thought he was awesome. I mean, he was fearless. He was out there battling. I mean, for him to survive that fight, like he's come a long way, and he's always been one of my favorite characters, and to see him in that role um, I thought was really cool. And, and, and just like Michelle was talking about earlier, she you know timed it where the first time you saw the enemy was. Like I timed it to see when the first words were spoken, and it was like six minutes into the episode, and it's when Sam shows up. And the guy goes, oh, about effing time or whatever he said as soon as he showed up. But then Sam just fought, you know, his ass off. I don't know if I can say that or not, but he yeah, really he did. Yeah, right. The end, I was like, did he die? Because when John was running through yep. the battle, Sam looked like he was getting mauled. And I was like, did Sam die? I had to Google after the episode, who lived, who died? Like, I needed to know if Sam died because I don't think we saw him. Then at the end, they kind of did a montage of where everyone was when all the White Walkers were dying, and I don't remember seeing him. And I was, like, really heartbroken. I was like, if Sam died, and at one point I thought Gilly died, but then they showed her at the end. I thought she was gone, too. Yeah, I thought she was getting grabbed by the White Walker out of the wall, and then we saw her, and I was like, okay, well, then Sam's got to be alive. So, but just shout out to Sam. I know he. I guess he is my sixth man. All right, Jorah can be the honorable mention. Sam, you just. I just talked my way into Sam being the sixth man. That's so funny about Sam, though, because I had the exact opposite reaction to Sam. The, I didn't speak very much during – I don't talk a lot during episodes like this or movies or TV shows. And one of the few things that I said to my wife during, like, I think it was middle of the episode. It was even before the part you were talking about where you thought he might have died. But I was like, yo, Sam is a fucking liability because he is out there. He has no business being out there. Like you're right. He, you're right. He basically got Ed killed, right, because Ed was trying to look out for him. And yes. Sam, like I, Sam is, I, I love Sam. I'm with you. I'm Sam is such a great character, and I think he has a lot of skills. But I have no idea why he wasn't in the crypts. That's although yeah. that wasn't a great place to be either. But. Yeah, I, I was surprised he wasn't in the crypts. But he was standing on top of the wall. He was fighting White Walkers off. He was down in the trenches. For him to even be out there giving his all, like just you know, let him do his thing a little bit. The effort was there, but man, I just am like. Sam, you are you are a liability. Yeah, I mean, he's not <laughs> Lou. He's not Lou Williams out there, like getting a ton he's of not, points. No. But like, he's a sixth man that comes off the bench and maybe takes two charges and yep. yeah, kind of yep. gets a couple of rebounds. <laughs> I also was a quick side note was pumped when Jon Snow was running through and he saw Sam kind of being in a bad spot. Nine times out of ten, Jon Snow runs to save Sam, but in this moment, he was locked in and continued moving on. I think Sam told him to keep going, right? Like, I think he yeah. told him he was fine. Right, but normally John yeah, would say, no, he, yeah, you know, I got you. Yeah. But instead, he kept going. He tried to take a dragon one-on-one. He instead. really did. All right, Steve, do you have a sixth person of the year? Uh, I, I think you're right. I think it's Melisandre. I'll, I will, we'll keep it at that. I think she was the easy choice. Okay, comeback player award. Steve, you go first. I think it's pretty clearly Theon. Um, you know, I think he, say what you want. You still don't have to necessarily like him, but I think he... In fighting off all the whites and essentially sacrificing himself uh, at the end there, I think he didn't necessarily redeem himself fully, but he did about everything you could from a character who, by the way, I think as far as a pure acting standpoint, his character between Theon, Reek, and then after back to Theon was probably one of the hardest characters to act in the entire show, so props to that guy. I don't actually know his name, um, but we'll we'll hopefully find it later. But I, I I think Theon for me is the comeback player. Um, his name is Alfie Allen. I, I, I knew he had an A name, Alfie. Interesting name, but shouts out to Alfie. Shouts out Great Alfie. Job. Great job. Um, shouts out to Alfie and Theon. I'm with you. Theon was my comeback player award. I just, I loved his redemption story. It took him a long road to get there, but he finally realized that Winterfell was home and that his place in the world was with the Starks. And when Bran said, Theon, you're a good man, and he knew that oh. he could die yep. knowing that 
he was a good person because that's something he obviously struggled with internally very often. I thought it was great. But then it was almost like, okay, now I'm just going to run at the Night King. And yeah, not a great plan. Not a great but, plan. Know. I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the intent. But really, kind of not that smart. You'd wait for him to but come But in the grand you. scheme of things, he did that. Doing that at least delayed him enough, right, for Arya to come and save Bran. Right. So. I agree. Theon definitely deserves it. I would also say Melisandre, you guys talked about as a mm-hmm. sixth man. Like, I don't know where she came from because she just kind of showed back up. And she's a character that I've never really enjoyed throughout the show. But to see her, and even when she was doing things, like I thought, is this really her motive or is she going to mess something up? You know, like when she was lighting the torches and, and lighting, you know, the gulch or whatever you want to call it, you know, I was like, is this really what her plan is or is there some ulterior motive? So I thought her comeback and showing that she was really on the side of of good um, meant something to me. I, I mean, I would give it to Theon, but I think she deserves at least a shout-out. All right, next one, the biggest disappointment award. You know, it's a guy that I've defended, and I still – I think Bran is the easy answer here, and I'm going to go with Bran, although I do think that there are some, some theories out there and some future possibilities to redeem himself. But I think a lot of people were wondering what the hell he was doing. The only thing he really did that we saw – was he warped into some some crows and was kind of scouting the battle from 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 up top and up high there and trying to find out where the Night King was. But I mean, there are some theories out there that he essentially went back in time and gave Arya the gave Arya the dagger that we had already p- possibly seen. There are a million different theories about there what he may may or have been doing. Um, and I, but I, Bran at the end of the day again is the most powerful guy in the show. He can do more things that are more powerful and impressive than really anybody. Um, and I think a lot of people are right to question why he didn't do more, why he didn't necessarily. I, this whole warging into a dragon thing, I didn't, I didn't necessarily understand why that was necessarily because there are two dragons and there are two riders for the dragon, so you don't really need to warg into one of them. But I think there are obviously things he could have done warging into other animals or other things or you know general you know battle things that he could have done other than sitting at that tree. Now. I think we'll probably find out more, and I think he'll probably do more in the future when it comes to the battle for the Iron Throne and going against Cersei. But I think uh, he, knowing what we know right now, he was the most disappointing character in the episode. I was a little disappointed in the Night King. Just the fact that I wanted more. I just needed more from him. I mean, he really didn't do much the whole episode. Then he comes out, he raises the dead, which was an unbelievable move. He fights (laughs) off fire, but then he gets stabbed and he's gone. You know, I, I wanted just a little bit more from him. Um, you know, I also I didn't mm-hmm. love the Jon Snow, you know, Danny whole thing. Like, I mean, they're just out there riding dragons. I wish Jon Snow would have been more on the ground with the troops. Um, you know, Danny kind of abandons the plan and goes off, and then can't kill the Night Pretty King, huge. which I thought was a little a little weird. You know, and they talked about it after the show. We had no way of knowing why or why not that that the fire couldn't kill the Night King, but it just seemed like they wanted to extend his life a little bit. Um, I guess he had to have been stabbed where you know he originally was, but yeah, I mean, I would I'm with you on Bran. Like I, I have never liked him. I still don't like him. I understand that he put himself out there and sacrificed where he was to draw the Night King toward him, but that plan didn't necessarily work. And people can probably say, well, he, you know, he knew what was going to happen. He knew Arya was going to come, and that was his plan all along. But that whole idea. You know, just didn't sit well with me. And I have a little bit of a hot take on that. I don't know if I can talk about it now, but we'll talk about it in a, in a second here on that whole situation where the Night King's coming after Bran. My biggest disappointment award, I'll keep it quick, Jon Snow. When you're the franchise player, you show up in franchise moments, and he didn't. Case closed. <laughs> yeah, Jon Snow did a bad rap. He didn't do much. I mean, he really didn't do much. No, he, he did didn't. knock the Night King off of his dragon Which, and got him on the ground. But then the Night King basically floated in air and was like, cool. 
Also, Danny, what do you contribute other than flying around on your dragon? Then you park it somewhere and get Jorah killed. It was a it was a poor move. I didn't know what the hell she was doing. Yeah. I was surprised she was like mixing it up. To be honest, like I was surprised that, that she was the out crypt? there. I didn't think she was being the crypt, but I thought she was like as hands on. So I didn't want to give it to her just because I like she's out there contributing. She's fighting. She's doing that whole thing. She's doing what she can. Yeah, like Brand didn't do anything. He didn't right. do anything. And now, like you said, Steve, like maybe it'll come out later. But like he, what did he do during the episode? He sat there with his eyes up in mm-hmm. his head. All right, last award, the Damn You're Dead Sad Award, because we did see some deaths this episode. Steve, you're up. Yeah, I think, obviously, the two were Liana Mormont and jo- both Mormonts, Jorah Mormont. Um, Jorah's been one of my favorite characters throughout the entire show, and I think he gets a lot of crap because a lot of people say he's whipped, and he did a lot of bad things when he was younger that obviously got him exiled from his own house, which is why Liana's in charge of House Mormont to begin with. Um I thought both of their deaths were great. I was a little upset because I think, you know, Liana is a character that a lot of people like and I like a lot. And I think, you know, her killing the giant was a really cool send off. But I think it was kind of a cooler send off than the one that Jorah got. And Jorah's been around since season one. So that sort of disappointed me a little bit that she went out as kind of more of a badass than Jorah did. But I think both of them were great characters. I mean, RIP House Mormont, which is probably my favorite house in the entire show, uh, because they no longer have, I don't think, anybody, uh, at least any living heirs to. To go on, but um, you know, Jorah's been a guy that I think has gotten a lot of crap throughout the entire show, and he's been nothing but loyal pretty much since a- after you know Danny originally found out that he <laughs> basically tried to sell secrets back to the to the crown. But after that, I mean, the guy has been loyal. He's fought grayscale. He's come back several different times. He's put you know the the, the betterment of Danny in front of him, his own, saying essentially that Tyrion should be the hand, not himself. I think he's just a really noble guy, and I'm glad that he was able to basically die saving the one person that he loved in the entire world. But I needed that whispering, croaking, I love you, as he passes I know, away. I, was, I, I know, needed that. People. I was I expecting know. some words and nothing came. I just... Yeah. <sighs> I mean, when you, get a, when you get a sword through the chest, it's probably not super easy to talk, but... But then you know um, what? You, know, you do it where whatever, you point to your eye, your heart, and you point at Danny. Uh, you no, get, I get You get it, it done. Get it. You get it done. But it was really – I, I think there's a lot of characters in the show that, necess- that, that that want a great death like that. I think John is potentially one of them, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that Jorah was able to get that because I think he's been through so much in his life. He probably knew that, you know, what was the future going to hold for him? He wasn't going to be able to be with the person that he loved, so to die defending her is probably the best way that he could have gone. R.I.P. Jorah. All right, Tommy, who's your damn, your dead, sad award go to? I don't know if I used him for the disappointment because I think I ended up saying Bran, but probably the Night King. You know, I, I just I wanted some answers from it. Like, what was his motive? You know, they talked about his wife being in the crypts. Like, was that his motive? Um, you know, I think that's a little bit unanswered. Like I said earlier in the episode, I'm more of a fan of the plot line of who's taking the Iron Throne and the Starks versus the Lannisters and where Danny fits into all that. But, like, what was the Night King's motive? Was he really just trying to end humanity and rule everything? And, like, what truly did he want out of this? I would like those questions to be answered. Um, and, and the other thing is there's a hot theory out there. I don't know how much people subscribe to it. Um, you know, someone had mentioned it to me that he was potentially bending the knee to Bran. Like, everyone stopped, right, and was kind of circled there. He walked very slowly towards Bran, and when you bend the knee, you pull out your sword, I believe. And now, because when someone said that to me, I go, well, he pulled his sword like he was going to kill him. And they go, well, that's what, you, you know, you pull the sword when you bend the knee. And so kind of how everything stopped and he walked slowly up to Bran, you know, was he bending the knee? I doubt it, but it's an, at least an interesting take that people have out there and that, and that someone passed along to me 
So I, I just think there's a lot of unanswered questions with him and where he fit in and, and kind of what his motives were, who he was. Like uh-huh. Those are things that I, I wish were answered. And now that he's dead, I don't know if we get those answers or not. I'm with you. I, ha- I still have a lot of questions about him. Namely, is he a Targaryen in a past life? Because you would think he couldn't ride a dragon right. if not. Exactly. And like those things, I feel like maybe they get ended up answering. Maybe Bran knows and he comes out and tells us later in the season or something. But a lot of unanswered questions for a guy that just dies, you know. Yeah. Um, I said it last week on the podcast. Like I didn't think a lot of main characters were going to die. I thought it was going to be some of the secondary characters. And even those people lived. Like Brianna Tarth, she's still alive. Mm-hmm. Like Jamie, he's a main character, but like a lot of people thought he might die. Um, Grey Worm. Grey Worm, alive. Shock that Grey Worm lived. Upset of the century. I thought when they were like retreating and he said, hold your ground, I was like, okay, Grey Worm is about to die defending the, the, the castle or you know the walls. And I was like, that's a great way for Grey Worm to go out. But the fact that he lived blew my mind. Tormund living, awesome. But I think the good thing with that is they can let some of these storylines play out. They uh-huh. can let the Tormund, Jamie, Brienne love triangle play out. They Which can, I'm into. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely into it. Uh, they can let Grey Worm, you know, kind of develop his relationship. I'm just interested to see where it all goes. You know, obviously it's going to now shift to King's Landing and how they want to take that, and I'm really excited for that part of it. But, you know, I was surprised less people died, and I think that's why some people aren't that happy with the show. They're saying they it lost its killer instinct and its ability to be ruthless. Uh-huh. Well, there's still some episodes to go. I'm sure there's going to be some ruthless deaths. I'm sure some of these main characters are going to start falling. Um, I think we just need to be patient with the show and let the writers you know, develop the whole season. I think it's it's not fair for everyone to get this hyped up for an episode and then be disappointed when there's still time left. Usually these episodes are the last episode or second last episode, so the mm-hmm. season's kind of over. There's still a lot to unfold with the rest of the season. And Arya killing the Night King was an awesome, awesome scene. An all-time move. Yeah, I don't all-time know. Move. I, I don't know how anyone could be disappointed in that. Um, my damn, you're dead. Sad award goes to Theon. I mean, we've talked about him at length, but he just he had really come full circle for me, and I was sad to see him go. It just. I felt that he was shortchanged a little bit, that he had finally gotten back to Winterfell. He'd finally identified who he was as a person. He had gotten forgiveness from the Starks. He had that little kind of eye, that sexual tension with Sansa. That never was going to work. It was never going to happen, but I just felt like things were you know, kind of trending well for Theon before he died. Yeah, I like Theon. I've never, even when he was Reek, you know, you felt bad for him. You know, obviously he did something horrific early in the show with the, with the Starks, but I've always been rooting for him to come back. I didn't see him living past this. When he said, I'm going to go protect Bran, okay, you're dead. You're dead. Like, you're going to give your life to protect him. There was no world where Theon kills the Night King. Like, there's no world where that was going to happen. So um, I like Theon. I'm sad he's gone, but it was inevitable, I think. Well, if you like Game of Thrones, we'll be doing this for three more weeks. If you don't, deal with it. (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, Tommy, I don't. you're a guy that doesn't watch Game of Thrones, and I, f- I thought about you after that episode. I felt badly for you that Why? you didn't get to experience that. You know what I did on Sunday night? Slept, because I had a wild time in Montreal. So Sick brag. Yeah. I mean, we don't even need to really talk about it on the pod, because it's not very appropriate for the family. NSFP, not yeah. safe for pod? Not safe for pod, Tommy. Not safe for pod. I'll have to ask you off air because yeah. <laughs> I'm interested. I've never been up there, so I'm interested oh, in how okay. it went down. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you. It's very uh, French Canadian. Don't really know what that, <laughs> that means. That's but. a safe way to just say that it's. So it's polite and <laughs> European? 
<laughs> yeah, I got lost as I was saying what? that. I'm still recovering from the weekend, guys. Yeah. What's your excuse all the other weeks? <laughs> but um, shh. Anyway. All right. You know what time it is. If you haven't already, head to Apple Podcasts. Search for Small Talk. Find it. Subscribe to it. Rate it. Preferably five stars. And leave a review like this guy. Bcliff07. That says, keep it coming. Five stars. Love the podcast and how easy it is to listen to. Love the guests and love the post-show pod crew. Loves Thank it you. all. How nice. Super nice. Thanks, man. Also, this one from Mark Shark, 1245. <laughs> fun and fab, five stars. This podcast is fun and fab. <laughs> Straight to the point. Keeping so, it concise. So I can see how it's fun. Explain to me what fab is. Fabulous. Okay. I didn't know fab. It's another adjective for great. <laughs> I didn't know if shortening up fab, fabulous to the word fab had some sort of different play on it, connotation, etc. Um, but okay, yeah, fabulous. Great. <laughs> we're all just getting uh getting there and uh you know, we're getting that big audience and people are really grasping onto this thing. So well, you yeah. need to stop talking. What are you doing? <laughs> Honestly. I don't even know what you're saying. Again, I'm still recovering from this weekend. We we can tell. <laughs> all right, so before we wrap this up, Freeze Pops actually just alerted me to some news that I didn't know, and that is that today, May 2nd, is the one-year anniversary of Small Talk. We dropped one year ago today. Happy one-year anniversary, Michelle. Us, Small Talk. Small Talk, yes, a team effort for sure, but, you know, you are our leader. It is your namesake. You know, this podcast would be nothing without you. I'm serious. This is coming from a genuine place. Oh, thanks. Um, You know, I really enjoy doing this, and it's a big reason why I moved here. Um, well, now I feel bad that I told you to stop talking. <laughs> no, it's, um, I, I really love doing this podcast every week and, um, it's a great release. It's a great, um, way to kind of forget about, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm actually getting emotional here. Um, you know, moving across the country is tough and, um, it's a it's a fun hour for me every week to just hang out, talk with Sarudi, and uh, I I really do uh, love doing the pod and hanging out and seeing the reviews. We we get a little loopy at the end because we wake <laughs> up at fucking three in the morning every day. Maybe that's part of the reason why I'm crying. Tommy <laughs> probably thinks I'm a huge fucking bitch right now, um, but seriously, like I I love this medium. And I I love this podcast and um, you know, I really thank thank you for listening. It's 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 really cool to see how much it's grown in a year. I mean, we we have the quarterback coach for Notre Dame sitting in in studio with us because he's a fan of the podcast. Like that's really cool. Like you know, I don't know if that's weird for me to say. I don't know if I want to talk. So I was going to leave you <laughs> at the end there, but uh, no, I listened man, to it's... the first one, you know, and I've listened to a lot of them. Um, and I appreciate you guys. I have to drive a lot for my job when I'm recruiting, and it's always been a fun, you know, hour listen for me to kill time. I've actually turned off Rosillo's podcast to put you guys on once <laughs> in your face, Ryan. Yeah, once. I remember. I remember. Like, I just can't do this like <laughs> mid December NBA talk right now. Yes. So I'm. I need something a little lighter. And I remember switching to it. I'm like, I cannot believe I just did that. <laughs> like, I remember consciously thinking, I cannot believe I just switched podcasts like that. But no, I appreciate. You guys have me on. It's been a ton of fun. I've been a fan, you know, for a long time, and 
I appreciate you guys, you know, welcoming me into the family a little bit. Yeah, thank you for uh, tagging me out there for a second because I just, man, I just, <laughs> yeah, you need a little relief then, there. Jesus. I'm glad I could bring some, some relief oh in my for God, you. I need some caffeine or something. Well, we can edit this out. You're right, though. It is emotional because this is something that we started well before I moved home, before Tom moved here, before Steve went on the Will Kane show. And it was just the three of us in Bristol, three people that really liked working together that just said, hey, maybe we should do this on mic instead of all the dumb BS we do off mic. Because that's what I think is so special about this job, not just this podcast, but media in general, is that you are a release for people. To your point, Tommy, if you're in the car or driving, people tune into you to get away from the everyday crap that they deal with, their job, being stressed out with their family, whatever it could be, they're going to tune into you and hopefully be entertained and be taken away for a little bit. And to see the community that's developed around this has been awesome and quite frankly shocking. Bonkers. I cannot believe that people enjoy it the way that they do. And I'm so appreciative for the support that we've gotten from this. I mean, when I go out now, people will come up to me and be like, hey, I love your podcast and not, hey, I listen to you in the mornings, which has been wild. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, rating and reviewing, because that's how we can tell the metrics of the people that listen. And we just appreciate you. And hopefully we'll be around for another year. Please, seriously, if this thing goes away, I might lose my shit, right? I mean, <laughs> Again. it's like, it's, <laughs> this you thing's guys, like fucking therapy for me. Jesus, I, I need this hour, guys. you, please, yeah. or else Tom is going to have a nervous breakdown. Or I'm going to lose my mind. Seriously. <laughs> God. Anyway, congrats to us. A year. Cheers yes. to small talk. And we'll be back in action next week. But until then, good night, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.